For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. We're knee deep in conversations about false flags, the dialectic, Iran, what's really going on and what we should do about it. But it led us to a place I wanted to be, which is I like to talk about the protections and the threats to our protections against government. Our, we, we have this contract, whether we've signed it or not. I don't know if I've signed it, but the deal was made that we would have this government, this uh, territorial monopoly on the use of force, and we would establish some protections against it so it could not abuse that power. That's uh, that's how I think of it anyway. That's how I think of the Bill of Rights. The first one, so so the Bill of Rights are about the, keeping, keeping uh, control, transparency uh, against the government and keeping them from persecuting us for keeping them honest. So the First Amendment, I think, is mostly about keeping them honest. The, the petition, assembly, speech... But people ask, like, is the First Amendment, is it uh, unlimited? Can you say anything you want? Can you cry fire in a crowded theater? And I say it it isn't because it, it is effectively limited because if you do cry fire in a crowded theater, and it causes a problem, you will be liable for that problem if there's no fire. So if people stampede each other or the theater owner has to refund tickets, then you are the person who caused that. And you should be sued for the tort, for the damages, for for doing it on purpose. There was an example of this, of why we have a problem. I think it was the Westboro Baptist Church was protesting the funeral of a gay veteran. I think maybe he was killed in battle, but he he caused pain. They caused pain intentionally to the family of this vet at his funeral. And when the family sued, the court said they were exercising their First Amendment rights so they don't have to pay you. And I say, yes, they were exercising their First Amendment right, more or less. I mean, that's not the reason for the right, but... But they should have to pay for emotional and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And that will keep people from doing that. You're not you shouldn't be able to like the president shouldn't be able to sue you for uh, calling him out on a policy you don't like. That's not personal. It's what it's for. But if you're personally attacking somebody else, 
it's it's not a it's you should have to be responsible for those damages. That's all. And there was a case this week, hat tip to Byron, who sent it to me uh, as soon as it came out. But it was in today's Wall Street Journal that an Ohio bakery in uh, sued Oberlin College for libel over accusations of racism that ha- that bakery has been awarded a total of $44 million in damages. So what happened was, I guess, uh, three students, three black students, uh, were involved in a shoplifting incident. Later, they pleaded guilty. I don't actually put a lot of stock in guilty pleas. But the idea was it was a shoplifting incident. The students happened to be black, and somebody latched on to that, made it a, a hate thing, attacked the bakery for uh, being racist. Oberlin College for a while suspended their contract with the bakery. Flyers were passed out on the campus. Students protested, and it it devastated the bakery's business. So they sued. It was intentional infliction of emotional distress. Uh, It was damages to the business. I, I don't know what the judgment was for. I shouldn't say that, but like they, what was done to them was wrong and it created real damages and they went to a jury and they, and they got compensation for that and the perpetrators got punished for it. Now there, it's going to be appealed and whatever. It's not the final outcome, but what, but it sets up the right incentives. You better be sure what you're doing is valid or you might have to face the consequences. I think the MAGA hat kids will probably, if, if the juries are fair, get compensation from the reckless, the reckless disregard shown by journalists towards them for they did nothing and they were slandered or libeled, slandered. So this is good. This is what you want. And I, and I lose faith more and more in the ability of the legal system to function, especially in the criminal aspect. Binkley, you sent me, my producer Binkley here sent me this Pew study. Uh, what, tell me what it said. What was the takeaway from that? The headline was that 95%, I think, or 98% more, 98% of, fe- of federal defendants never go to trial and the ones that do lose. Yeah, so I was looking into that a little bit after you gave me the heads up, and it's even worse in state courts. And then I, I further looked, and it says uh, it's one of the judges in the case said that, or advocating against the plea bargains. Let me read his quote. He said, Former Eastern District of New York Judge John Gleason authored a forward to this report on that the jury trials are dying. He said, putting the government to its proof is a constitutional right enshrined in the Sixth Amendment. No one should be required to gamble with years and often decades of their liberty to exercise it. I've made this point just through casual observation. They did a massive study. It was like 75 pages. Yeah. Gleason said uh, he's the same judge who told the New York Times in 2014 prosecutors routinely threaten ultra harsh enhanced mandatory sentences that no one not even the prosecutors themselves think are appropriate. Judge Gleason said the way prosecutors use trial penalty coerces guilty pleas and produces sentences so excessively severe they take your breath away. 
The report contends that trial by jury has been replaced by a system of pleas which diminishes to the point of obscurity the role that the framers envisioned for jury trials as the primary protection for individual liberties and the principal mechanism for public participation in the criminal justice system. Uh... Guilty pleas have replaced trials for a very simple reason. Individuals who choose to exercise their Sixth Amendment rights to trial face exponentially higher sentences if they go to trial and lose. Now, these people are soft-pedaling the real recommendation, which is there should not be plea bargains. Now, I'm a libertarian, and I think you should be able to uh, exercise your liberty any way possible. But this, we don't live in a libertarian society. We live in a society where the government has absolute power, basically, if it isn't for these protections that we have. And to allow them to use that power uh, to to force us to give up those rights, it's a moral hazard, and I cannot stand by it. And But what they all say is that the criminal justice system would be would grind to a halt if you had to bring everybody to trial. But that's really only because there are way, way, way too many crimes. Most of them are generated by the drug war. So half of the crimes are violent, half the crimes are nonviolent. I would say even the half that are violent are probably mostly crimes that are violence that's committed as businessmen try to enforce black market arm's length transactions. So you want to buy drugs, I want to sell you drugs, and you don't pay me, I got to break your legs because I can't call the cops. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that for anyone. I'm just <laughs> saying that's why black markets are inherently violent, not because drug dealers just have the psycho gene. It's not that. It's they are they don't have access to courts and trials and jails. They just break your legs or kill you. Those are your two options. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So the drug war really skews it. And if they didn't have this plea bargain system, which is right, it takes 98% of the people take the plea. If they didn't have that plea bargain system, they would be forced to look at those laws and how they're treated. So when I hear people saying we need criminal justice reform, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But I have never heard anyone address the real problem, which is this. And I'm not like an advocate of drugs, and I don't think... I think drug legalization shouldn't be done in the name of tax raising or regulating it or any of that. I mean, uh, I think that's all a scam, too. And it's important to, to realize that culture has a place, especially when you're legalizing drugs. It took 100 years to get us to this place where drugs are inherently evil and dangerous and abused and life wrecking. I mean... The stuff that grows out of the ground, poppy and coca and weed, all that stuff, it has medicinal value to it. Codeine cough syrup used to be legal over the counter when I was growing up. It's like the only thing that can suppress a good, like a real bronchial cough. And now, so I couldn't get any, of course. You it's not over it. the counter anymore? <laughs> Codeine cough syrup? Yeah, I thought that was still over the counter. Oh, is it? I don't know. Oh, I didn't even think to ask. <laughs> I didn't even think to ask. So I assumed I couldn't get any. So I went to urgent care to see if they would give me some. I got a bill for $500 oh my for my gosh. son. It wasn't for me. It was for my son. $500. I mean, I didn't pay it. The insurance paid it. But I was horrified. It's like that for something that grows and is like in a flower. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like anybody who advocates for gun rights, gun, a man-made object that defends you, it's great. You absolutely have gun rights. I advocate for it. But drug rights, I mean, who's to tell you you can't pull a weed out of the ground and use it for medicine? Yeah. I mean, I don't advocate for the against the drug war like vehemently people have their 
their issues. I don't really have an issue. I, I, that's not my thing. But I, I recognize it. And that's what the reason it's a problem is not only they use, they terrorize us with the evils of drugs coming over the border and all that kind of stuff. We, we're being convinced to take away our rights, to be surveilled all the time, to have biometrics at the border, all that stuff in the name of the drug war. And these gangs are all drug gangs. They, they, they are not only abusing our rights on through the terrorism, but, but it's keeping us from having access to a vital avenue of protection against a, an unjust government or political persecution. If you, if they are going to threaten you with a hundred years in prison for one minor act, you're going to take the plea whether you did it or not. It's a very, it's a bad situation. So I love it when I hear the, a, a trial system working. I even like tort law, which I didn't used to like, but I realize now by doing it this way, you don't have to make laws. You can be wronged, you can sue for them, and they set the precedent and then people know how it is. And it all, the laws emerge as the need emerges. It's, you don't have to believe in some series of events to bring down some regulatory regime. Uh, you can. This is why I prefer the English system over the French system, the common law system over the statutory system. But I'm going to give you some examples after the break of places where there should be one of the many, 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 many cases where there should be a trial. We would have gotten more justice, but people are afraid. They take the plea and uh, and it distorts our understanding of, of what's really going on out there and the abuse of power our government's engaged in. So I'm going to get to that after the break. 800 WSB Talk, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. So I'm talking about these different cases where you don't have recourse to the law. This, this, there was a recent study out by Pew Research, hat tip to Binkley for finding that for me, that said that not that almost a hundred percent of accused people in the federal system, and it's probably it's like ninety eight percent of the people, and it's it's arguably more in the state system, which means it's almost a hundred percent that people do not avail themselves of their constitutional rights to a jury trial. And as a libertarian, I always I always like scratched my head at the Declaration of Independence, like unalienable rights. It's like, what do you mean unalienable? Like we can, you can alienate anything. You could sell yourself into slavery. You can uh, let somebody kill you. Like you're allowed to do anything you want because I'm a libertarian. And... I'm not saying that that is like internally flawed logic wise, but I do draw the line when and I do think that that the libertarian movement gets um, abused for from outside for the in this way that you can't pick and choose your liberties if the oppressions are still intact. So if if we don't live in a free system to allow you, you're not allowed to deal drugs, but you are allowed to give up your rights when you're falsely accused of dealing drugs. So there, there are problems with the, with this selective liberty approach because it is abused and promoted and manipulated, I think, 
by this uh, abuse, of course, of government. I think they they exploit us for that. So I'm kind of leaning towards no plea bargains and maybe not even forced arbitration clause. I'll figure I'll finish that thought after the break and I'll give you some more examples of how the system fails when you don't go to trial. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. That's me. And I've been doing that all day so far. All show anyway, and I'm going to continue to do it. We're in the halfway mark. If you have missed the show... Or just want to hear it again, which I cannot tell you how many people email me like, I'm only my second time through the show, which of course makes me think that I talk too fast. (laughs) So it's my New Yorker in me. I get complaints about that too. So if you do want to hear the show, slow it down so you can understand. Um, Just kidding. I'm just reminded of that SpongeBob episode where like I can't understand your accent. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you can definitely understand the accent. Uh, but anyway, if you do want to, if you didn't catch the show, go to thepropreport.com. And on Wednesdays, you can get this show commercial free. I thank WSB for that. And on Thursdays, you can get the podcast I do with my producer Binkley here. And we're going to, I think, launch an interview series soon. So that'll be fun. Maybe I'll play clips on the air and then you can hear the whole thing at the website. And we are in beta on basically a little uh, hour version. Well, it's it's a community forum, but where people really give some good headlines, some good insights. And it's where I give all of the insights I have, original insights in the news uh, of the day or of the hour as the week goes on. So I'll post like 20 times in a week. It's really great stuff, I think. So that's in beta. You can go to thepropreport.com for that. But what we were talking about before the break, I was saying we, Binkley sent me a study, a Pew study, and as you dig into it, I I found that there's a much broader study about how uh, jury trials are going away. I mean, it's like 2% of the people who are accused of crimes, charged with crimes, go to actual trial and one of the problems it's a 75 page report so i didn't get through but it absolutely confirms what i had suspected which is people are under such grave threat like i think of john delorean he fought and won that he was entrapped i don't think that would happen today i just don't think so and and there's a couple of problems with that one one is they say that they just coerce you into giving up your rights and that is bad uh they it it clogs up the system. And another thing that it does is it distorts our understanding of what's really happening in the world. So a good example of that is this, this uh, college admission scandal case is Binkley. You had turned me on to the fact you had mentioned that Lori Lachlan was uh, was she conservative or Christian? What was it that you knew about her? When this all came out, you're like, oh, Lori Loughlin, you, you'll be happy to hear she's whatever, Catholic or something. She is a Christian and I believe a conservative and was on the Hallmark Channel all the time. Right. So before that, she was like a t- regular mainstream TV star. And then yeah. I, I wonder if, did we not discuss this, like people who... uh 
people get relegated. Like I always thought Eddie Murphy, people did not like his politics. So he got relegated to kids movies for like 15 years. Yeah. He stopped making good movies. And I mean, they were good movies, but they were kids movies. Yeah. He lost his position of influence among the people who matter, I guess, or who are perceived to matter. Yeah, it was a far cry from Raw, the stand-up special. Yeah, Daddy Daycare. Yeah. I've seen that like 15 times. <laughs> that's, a, that's a function of my circumstances and not the quality of the movie, but it was enjoyable. So my kids, so then I was like on an Eddie Murphy watching binge with my kids. And then I like was like, oh, how bad could Beverly Hills Cop be? <laughs> yeah. Definitely got turned off <laughs> like one beat too late. So so she got relegated to the Hallmark Channel. But I figured I thought it was weird that she was going to ch lie, cheat and steal whatever for for her ch children. I just thought it was weird. It just didn't make sense to me what kind of a distorted moral viewpoint she had or what kind of a hypocrite. Was it doing her any good to pretend that she was a person of morals like i didn't know so i when i dug into it that's when i read the fbi affidavit and realized that she was in my opinion completely conned out of money yeah totally deceived this guy singer is just the scum of the earth and i was this is just and she got a really good lawyer i was happy to see but this is where i think well she'll probably plea bargain because who can who can risk it? And all the other people did plea bargain, but she fought it and they immediately dumped more charges on her. And then she was facing 40 years instead of a year and a half, which in itself is a tell of what a terrible system this is. Yeah. So I'm very happy that she's fighting it. I hope that if she is a victim, she's exonerated. And I would I, it really annoys me that the guy who did it to her, Singer, is the guy that the government decided to cooperate with to set up the parents and the coaches who, the stories that I've read in depth, he's the perp and they were the victims and the story I want to get into this week is no exception to that, is a prime example. Yeah. So the Lori Lachlan thing, what was the update on that? I haven't seen. Well, her, they, her defense strategy appears to be that they believed that the donations were they were intended to be donations to colleges or to sports programs and not bribes. Yeah, that is what I actually think she thought. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of it was. I think this guy, Singer, was such a scammer. I don't even think he was really getting those kids in. Yeah. I think they were getting in anyway. Yeah. And he was only taking those people who he thought could get in. And this story from Stanford, I'll just read you. It might be gotten out of order a little bit, but let me read you just one paragraph that I think supports that. Um, Mr. This is about the, if you might have heard, the coach from Stanford is the first person who is, they, they call it convicted. But it's a plea bargain. It was registered as a conviction, but people get deceived into thinking that there was a, a process. There's no process. I've heard a lot of podcasts and news channels uh, saying that indictments are convictions lately, implying that. Oh, and this is oh, this is one of the big, big problems with the plea bargain that was in that study is that indictments are absolutely you can indict a ham sandwich because that is not where the checks and balances come into play yeah. that's just a, a gate that is just a, a swinging door you just go through it because it's a certainty that all the evidence that's brought up there or left out there will come out in trial yeah 
Yeah. And it's it's the reason we have this grand jury indictment system to be so easy is just uh, I don't even know why it's that it's it's that way. But I guess it's just to have some kind of vague process by which. Uh, you slow down the flow of pure political persecution, maybe. I don't know. There's some benefit to it. But without the jury trial, which is that's terrible to, to have this the way the indictment system is. But you don't need to redo that. Plea, plea bargains, to me, I, I, I would consider reading them as unconstitutional. But, but what uh, – so this guy, uh, the Stanford coach – Entered a plea. It's, it's such a such such a sad story, uh, but out of order. It says Mr. Singer, who's the con artist, came to Stanford, and Mr. Vandermeer is the sailing coach, who's the first to go down here. Came to Stanford a day after first calling Mr. Vandermeer. Toward the end of the conversation, he said he had a student introduced to the sailing coach. That girl has since been identified as Yuzi Zhao, whose family paid Mr. Singer. Buckle your seatbelt. Six and a half million dollars for his service. Oh, my gosh. But get this. Get this. Mr. Vandermeer ultimately didn't help on Ms. Zhao's application. Prosecutors said in a court filing that it proved too late in the season to tag her as an athletic recruit, but she gained entrance through the regular admission oh process. Oh, my gosh. She got paid <laughs> six million to not even help her. Well, I mean, I'm certain that he told them he was helping her. Wow. It says prosecutors said she got in partly due to the falsified sailing credentials Mr. Singer created on her application. But I don't know. I, he gets yeah. he gets a certain allocation of recruits he can tag. And mm-hmm. what he does, this is like normal, I guess. What you do is you pick the ones who can help pay for the boats. That's what he was saying. Like, it's an expensive thing. I need people to pay for the boats if they're going to sail. And chances are real sailors have the money. Because that's like not an option that was open to me as a child. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do not know how to sail. A not boat. a lot of broke sailors. <laughs> yes, right. Like the inner city sailors <laughs> who who resent the fact that the rich kids are paying for all the boats. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like the rich kids are paying for the boats. <laughs> like, thank you. So, um, so I really don't even. I. It's just like cockamamie, and uh, so, but. It, I read this guy singer an absolute unbelievable con man and it's it galls me that he is the guy who the feds decided to get in bed with at the expense of people like like coach Vandermeer I really I, it's it breaks my heart that he played so listen to Monica Perez it's a man a man on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is Monica Perez. Little technical difficulties, but I think we're back in action. And uh, I just want to finish with the story I was telling about the Stanford coach, if I can be heard. Which Stanford? Whoops. Uh, okay. So we were talking about this coach, the Stanford coach, Vandermeer. And listen to this story and tell me if you do not agree that this guy was completely railroaded. It says, uh, when Mr. Sick- Singer rang the uh, 
rang Vandermeer, he told him he had match clients with coaches. And what Vandermeer says is he was really engaging. He seemed very interested in me. And while such a recruiting contact was a first for him, he knew it was common in other sports. And then he goes on to talk about how it's not an NCAA sport. People don't scrutinize it. And there's just, people don't know about it. And this is exactly what I thought when I heard the Lori Loughlin story about uh, her kids rowing crew. So it's a weird sport. Nobody expects you to even know anything about it. I think this is all part and parcel of the same thing. So I'm going to take a break. We're going to iron out the, uh, hopefully the technical difficulties are behind us. And I'll finish with this story and tell you some of the other stories of how these guys don't, if you don't get a jury trial, I think nine out of ten times, true justice is not served. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 